Hello everyone, welcome to High Point Online. My name is Gerald. And I'm Jenny. And we are so glad that you are here with us today to worship and just, we want to tell you a few things that are going on. Yeah, so our big thing right now is that starting today, we're going to start collecting toiletries and coats for Must Ministries. They gave us a call, said, hey, we know you're in the community, and this is a need, a big need so here. So what are toiletries? If you Toiletries, so shampoo, soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, uh, it, anything you need for the bathroom. Okay, hygiene products. Hygiene men products. Men and females. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, yep. this is awesome. All that yep. stuff is needed. Toiletries, Great. coats. So again, beginning today. And if you're not local, you can always give um, through HP Info to 97,000. Yes, yes. Um, you just go to our give page and you click on Meet the Need, and all of that goes straight into helping us help our community. That is awesome. Coming up on this holiday season, we are always going to get together. So we want to continue to get together and finish off strong with our life groups. Listen, even if you have not been to a life group yet, it's okay to start. The way they're organized, it's not, you're not going to miss anything. You don't have to feel like, oh, I'm jumping in the middle. We're going to welcome you no matter what. You're going to feel like you've been in there since the beginning. And you know what? Let me tell you something. We're coming up on these holidays. There will most likely be food. Yeah. But we also have online life groups, okay? So my dogs, my men, we have a men online life groups on Thursdays. There's a life group for absolutely everyone. Men's life groups, women's life groups. You name what situation you're in, we have a life group for you. You tell us what situation you're in and we don't have it, we will get one for you. So make <laughs> sure you join, guess what? A life group. Yeah, and absolutely. for more information, text, HP Info to 97,000. HP Info to 97,000. <laughs> Here at High Point, we're super serious about fun, but we're also serious about faith. So we're going to continue our worship and our praise today with our offering. Yep. So you can give by texting HP Info to 97,000. All of your tithes and offering um, that we get go straight back into our church, straight back into the community. God has given to us, and so now we're going to give our first fruits back to Him. So today, pray about it. Talk to God about it. Talk to your spouse or your family. Read the Bible and really figure out what is it that your first fruits are and how you can give back today. So now I'm going to pray. Sounds good. And then we will move on to our sermon. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that we get to come together and worship you together as one family. I pray that you will watch over us today. I pray that you will open our hearts to you. I pray that we will give of our first fruits. I pray that we will give back to you in our time and our money and our efforts. And I pray that you will watch over us today as we praise and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to High Point Church. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to be with you online today. And if this is your first time here, uh, we just want to give you a special welcome. Uh, and if you're so inclined, we would love for you to drop a comment in the chat this morning. Um, Lord, as we worship together uh, online, let us know that you're here. Uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into the message today. What are some things that you want but don't want? I know that's kind of a weird question and you don't even understand what I mean when I say it. But what are some things that you want but, but your actions actually tell a little bit of a different story? For instance, people don't want to be lonely, right? You don't want to be lonely. But the reality is many times, although you don't want to feel lonely, you don't want to put the effort into 
building new relationships, the time and energy required that, that, that would alleviate your loneliness. Therefore, you want to be free of loneliness, but you don't really want it. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, we do the same thing with weight. Well, I want to lose weight, but I don't really want to lose weight. In other words, like, I, I want this to be gone, but I don't want to change my eating habits, or I don't want to change exercise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't want to be uh, a slave to debt. I don't want to be stuck in debt, but I also don't want to stop spending more than I make. So we have these things where we want it, but we don't really want it at the same time. Feel me? One of the things as a pastor that I run into a great deal and to be fully transparent that I experience in my own life of I want this, but I don't want this, is this idea of weariness. One of the most common challenges, in fact, over two thirds of Americans right now describe their life as feeling weary. Weary from politics, weary from the news, weary from trying to pay bills, weary from roommates and trying to find roommates and places to live, weary of trying to figure out how to date in 2022, weary of trying to find the new job, get the promotion, raise your kids, get your kids to school, have the hard conversations with kids, be single, be divorced. <gasps> All of a sudden, right? Even as I'm saying this, some of you are like, oh my gosh, stop, make him stop. You're feeling the weariness of life. And yet, when we talk about overcoming weariness, the solution many times is actually quite simple. But we don't want to do what is required to be free from the weariness that grips our soul. And what is this thing that this rocket science, this biblical text that is going to absolutely turn your life upside down and free you from the burden of feeling weary. What is that thing you pray tell, you ask, that you are on the edge of your seat for? It's a four-letter word called rest. And we have a hard time Acknowledging that rest is the cure or the, a biblical rest, might I add also. The way that the Bible talks about us resting in Jesus and resting in God, that that would be the thing that we need for our weary souls? Come on. I want that, but I don't really want that tracking with me today? Oh yeah. Guilty as charged. The truth of the matter is the hope for a weary soul is the rest that only God can provide. Do this. Turn in your Bibles to, to the book of Exodus. And even as you turn there, I, I'm going to just acknowledge where I, I know that you're, you are. If you're like me, you hear the word rest and you're hearing Pastor Andy say, hey, you're going to need to slow down. You're going to need to stop. You're going to have to just, you know, make it all quit for a minute. 
And you're thinking to yourself, do you even know my life? Do you know me? Do you have any idea what a, what a human looks like here, you know, in the United States? And you know what? You're, I get it. You're right. Even as, I, even as I'm preaching this, I feel the tension in my own soul attempting to preach this message today. I feel it. I, I, I sense the idea of where it's like, you don't, you don't know me. And here's what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be busy. I don't know that we're going to just suddenly turn off being busy people and having a lot to do. And you know what? They're, it's okay that you have a lot going on. It's okay that you're, that you're shuffling kids back and forth or that you've got tremendous amount of job commitments. It's okay. I'm not saying to free yourself from things to do or that suddenly you shouldn't have a, a busy life or anything like that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that today we are going to sort out what it looks like for you to carve into your life a rhythm of rest with God. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. This is what the Bible tells us. This is the fourth commandment. It's a commandment as in like, you know, Moses and the 10 commandments coming down from the mountain, right? He's giving these commandments to Israel. Exodus chapter 20. Here's the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy just means to have it set apart, meaning this day is different than every other day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Now, throughout biblical history, right, we've seen God show up in amazing ways. And here he is, he's showing up in the first time ever, right? We're seeing the, the Ten Commandments. And this is just the fourth one. Prior to this, though, we have Israel, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And, and, and what have they been stuck doing? They have been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. Now, when we read the Bible, if you're, maybe you're new to church and maybe this is all new to you or new to just the Bible and faith in general, but many of you that are watching or that are a part of uh, High Point in person, you have some measure of, of biblical literacy. Maybe you grew up going to church on some, on some level. And so we read the Bible and oftentimes we impute our frame of reference to the scriptures. But understand there's no church at this time. God's people don't have a synagogue that they're going to. There aren't pastors and elders. There aren't, there aren't people teaching uh, in the way that, that, that you understand church right now. There's no tabernacle. There's no temple. There is no organized worship of any kind corporately that we know of. What we have is a people, right, who have clung to the stories passed down from generation to generation, 
of this God, the God of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they have the stories of God's covenant promise to them that he would be blessing them, that he'd be bringing them to a promised land. And they have these stories miraculously of God showing up and God making Israel his treasured possession, a holy nation, that he has a unique relationship with them, a unique destiny with them. And then they find themselves enslaved for 400 years. Can you imagine this? I can't. I don't know what this would be like to grow up a slave and to know nothing but slavery. That your mom and dad would know nothing but slavery. That their mom and dad would know nothing but say generation after generation for 400 years. You have a cruel oppressor and you have known one thing every single day of your life. What is that thing? Work, sweat, toil, labor, hardship. And it is the only way you survive. And then God raises up a prophet named Moses. And what does Moses do? He confronts Pharaoh and he begins to lead God's people out of Egypt to the promised land. And we have the amazing story of the parting of the Red Sea and God's people walking through dry ground and experiencing freedom. And they're finally free. You wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. This God that you've heard about, that you've maybe talked about, now you're experiencing for the very first time this God has come to dwell with his people. And what does God do? He brings those people to Mount Sinai and God gives the 10 commandments to all of Israel. And if you're like me and you read the 10 commandments, let's take a look at just a couple of them. You shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord in, of thy God in vain. Don't take God's name in vain. Honor your mother and your father. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. This goes on. There's 10. I, eliminate, I, I didn't put the fourth one in there. What's the fourth one? To keep the Sabbath day holy. Okay, what? We, we, we watched or we, 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 we read this. And at least as a Westerner, I have no concept for this. There's no bucket that this even falls into. I don't even get it. In fact, when I read about God saying to have a day where there is no labor, animals, your, your family, your kids, everybody ceasing from labor, I look at that and it feels burdensome to me. Like it feels... It feels troublesome. It feels like God, like, okay, thanks for just making a random rule, right? That, that somehow is supposed to honor you and bless you. And the reality is it makes my life more difficult. Do you have any idea, God, what my life is like down here? Do you know what it's like? 
And yet what I'm not doing is looking at this from the lens of God and his people. Imagine being a slave for 400 years. You don't have much relationship with God. You haven't seen him move. You don't, you don't know him. You know the stories of God. And all you've done is sweat, toil, and labor every day of your life. And now, God, in his grace, sets you free, brings you to Mount Sinai, and he begins to establish who he is to you. And what is one of the very first things that he does for a people who have known nothing but work and slavery? He looks at them and he says, on the seventh day, no work is allowed. There's no work. You can't do it. You're not allowed to do it. I'm not permitting you to do it. In fact, I'm etching this in stone. And it's not a suggestion, Israel. It is a commandment. And if you have known one thing your whole life, and that's work, the burden of work, what does it now look like for your God to show up and say, I want you to rest? Does that feel burdensome or does that feel like a blessing? I think it actually feels like a blessing. All you've ever known is work. And now your heavenly father says, uh-uh, 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 not on my watch. In fact, this is a commandment. And this commandment is designed to protect you and help you slow down, stop, and rest. It's a gift to you. The command to rest, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a burden. It's a blessing. But for many of us, we've only looked at it one way. We've looked at it from the standpoint of, of God handcuffing us and keeping us from, from doing things and getting our stuff done. And the reality is that God can do more with a people who will trust him six days and one day off than we can do in our own strength. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 5 says. It's very similar. It's almost the exact same thing we read about in Exodus, but there's a little extra tacked on to it. Observe the Sabbath day, this is verse 12, by keeping it holy. As the Lord your God has commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember, verse 15, that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, the command to rest, it is not a burden. It is a blessing. It's a rhythm. I want you to hear this. It's weekly. 
the Sabbath, this moment, this thing that God puts into place by command is a rhythm designed to renew your trust in God every single week. Why would God do this for us? Why would he create the blessing of the Sabbath? And on a weekly basis, maybe it's because our human tendency and proclivity is to lean into the slavery that, that, that comes upon us by working and working and working and trying to do things in our own strength. You see, Israel, we see a foreshadowing of Jesus and his great deliverance, but Israel is, is under cruel enslavement by an oppressor. And we know this oppression as well. You're not making bricks for Pharaoh. I recognize that. But we know the oppression and feeling stuck in a life where you're just working day in, day out, get up, drive, commute, clock in, clock out, get home, get the food, get the groceries, make the food, clean up the kitchen, put the stuff away. You're exhausted. Kids go to bed. You're exhausted. You go to bed. You get up, you do it all over again. And, and you just, we, you live for the grind. You live for the work and, and you just feel weary. You feel enslaved to a weary heart. And what is it that we need? We need the rest of a Sabbath day or a Sabbath moment, a Sabbath experience. And Jesus, thankfully, he redefines what this commandment looks like. And we'll get to it in, in, in just a second, but, well, actually, no, we'll, we'll, let's, let's go ahead and head there now. Because what is it that a weary heart needs more than anything? It isn't just stopping. And that's the danger in a message like this, church, is you're watching, is you hear rest and you hear Sabbath and what that sounds like. We don't use that word Sabbath, but the word Shabbat Sabbath literally just means to, to, to cease from working, to stop. But when we hear that, we oftentimes as, as Westerners, I do anyway, I equate that to laying on the couch and watching TV for a whole day. Like that that's what it means to rest to just simply stop from working. But Deuteronomy tells us, we, we're reminded literally in verse 15 that, that the point of the Sabbath of resting was that you and I would have a moment where we remember who we were and we remember what God has done. So part of you having this downtime of not working isn't just that you would sit and watch Netflix all day long and that your body would feel recharged, even though that's better than nothing, might I add. That's something. But what the Sabbath and a godly biblical rest is designed for you and I to do is yes to stop from working and also to have rhythms in our schedule and in our life and in our heart where we remember who we were 
and we remember what God has done. Man, I was, I was a slave. And you may not have been a slave literally, but who were you a slave to? Satan. You were a slave to sin, a slave to his cruel oppression. And that oppression, the breakdown, the sin that has broken the world, all the effects of that are felt in your life, including a weary heart. That is the byproduct of a fallen world. And so when we sit and we have moments, rhythms, where we acknowledge who we were and what God has done, it causes us to stop to slow down, to take our eyes off of our own situation and to put our eyes on the one who can actually bring health and wholeness to our heart. What does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28? He says, oh man, Israel, he's talking to the Jewish people, come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and you're burdened and I will give you rest. Do you hear the heart of Jesus in this moment? The loving, gracious Father. The same loving, the same love and grace that gave us the Sabbath rest. He's now saying, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what you want? Rest in your soul peace for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, in the Old Testament, we see the Sabbath as this day and you had to obey, by the way. I mean, th this was clock in and clock out. You don't miss this moment. And Jesus he redefines the Sabbath in the New Testament and, and, and he helps people understand that the purpose of this remembrance moment of stopping and slowing down is that we would remember what? God's freedom that he has given us, that we would remember who we once were and we remember who God was and we would acknowledge that and our eyes would be lifted up. And, and, yet, and yet he helps people understand that the ultimate deliverance and the ultimate freedom and the ultimate setting you free from oppression and slavery comes from himself. And so Jesus literally becomes your Sabbath rest. It's not that you now have to obey this legislated day of sun up, sun down, although good, although a good thing, I try to take an entire day off on Friday. Most of the time I get there, not every time, but most of the time. But Jesus has now become our Sabbath rest. And so what do we do? We spend time with him. We take his yoke upon us, his, his mantle of grace. We put upon our shoulders. It's easy and it's light. And what do we find? We find rest in relationship with him, rest for a weary soul.
I'll say it like this. If you, ladies and gentlemen, want to overcome weariness of soul, you must fight to create rhythms in your life of spending time with Jesus to experience the rest only he can provide. You got to. It's the only way. As somebody who has experienced weariness many times, one of the first things for me to look at is how is my time with Jesus? Am I resting with him? Am I getting true time with him? And I'm not telling you things that I know you don't know, but you've got to fight for this. You've got to be able to look at your own life and do the heavy lifting in this moment. This is where you've got a little work to do uh, 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 of creating space and creating rhythm. You may not have it in your life right now to give a 24 hour day of no work. Okay, thank God for his grace. But in those moments, where can you get time regularly, consistently with Jesus where he rejuvenates and restores your soul? Because a message like this can oftentimes feel like those moments out in public with friends or family where, you, where, you know, somebody brings something to you and you're like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And then you never pray for them. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, the, it's the thing you know to say. It's the good thing you know to do. But the reality is you say you're going to do it and then you're going to forget about it in five minutes. Rest and godly biblical rest, that, that is very similar in that you can hear this and be like, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to get to that. And you never actually do. So here's what I want to give you. I want to give you four questions to help you stop every single day and get time with your heavenly father and with Jesus Christ. Here they are. You ready? In the morning, I do this in the morning. I have a variation kind of of these questions. It's oftentimes still dark when I get up. I get my coffee and I go and I sit on the couch and I try to answer this. I say to myself, who is God? Who is he? In other words, I'm reminding myself in this moment who God is. Who is he? He's the, today, he's the God of heaven and earth. He's the God that set me free. He's the God who's rescued me. Maybe in this moment, what is emphasized in who God is, is he's, he's a healer. He's a counselor. He's my friend. But in, in some way, I'm, I'm getting a defining moment, biblically speaking, of who God is. And then I ask myself, where am I? So I have an honest, an honest declaration of who God is. And then I have an honest declaration of where I'm at. Because some mornings I get up and I might feel discouraged. And I need to bring that to God and tell him. Man, I'm having a down morning or a down week or just, it's a tough day, Lord. Or maybe it's the best. God, thank you for this. Man, I'm on cloud nine. God, you are, you are awesome. I'm right here. I'm ready for it. Let's go, God. But wherever it is, I've got to have a humbling moment where I'm, where I'm honest with where I am. And then I have my third question. God, what do I need to make right? In other words, is there something that I've left 
on, on, you know, is there a crooked path that needs to be made right? Was I harsh with my kids and I didn't do anything about it? Did I say something mean? Did I, did I, you know, where, what, where have I sinned against you, Lord? What do I need to do? I'm bringing it to you now. Speak to my heart. And then the fourth thing, the last thing, is God, how can I be a blessing today? Who can I bless? Who needs a, a, who needs a text, a prayer? Who can I pray for? Who can I help move the needle for one step forward and just be a blessing in their life? How can I help your kingdom come and be established today? It is amazing when these four things are working in a rhythm in my life, and I believe in yours as well, you will find weariness straps on its running shoes and begins to flee from your life. When you get time regularly with God, when you get honest with God, when you're reminding yourself who He is, where you are, what He's done, and what He's called you to do, whew, it's amazing how weariness has a hard time continuing to have its hold on your heart. Fight for that daily rest. Fight for a day of weekly rest. But even if you can't get there, find those moments of pause and reflection. Ask yourself these questions. Slow down and fix your eyes on Jesus. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for the blessing of rest in you. You are, Jesus, our Sabbath rest. You are the one who takes the weariness of our heart and the weariness of our soul and you give us rest and we thank you today. Your rest is not a burden, it is a blessing. And we thank you for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Welcome everybody to High Point Online. My name is Gerald. And I'm Jenny. This is my sister from another mister. She's black. <laughs> I just have to put that in there. Now we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>